Welcome to Wake Forest University Department of Counseling Podcast. I'm Dr. Bob Nations, and with my esteemed colleague, Dr. Shannon Warden. And right, Shannon, who do, who do we have in the studio today? Bob, I just love it that you're calling it a studio. A studio. Now. Stu- We're legit. Studio. We've de- we've declared that though. I do not need to rehash that we are legit. Hmm. I'm moving on now. Um, <laughs> No, we are not too much to quit. We got a podcast to do, man. Come oh, on. that's right, that's right. All right, guys. We're, no, Bob. You know we um, we always have fun doing these podcasts. We appreciate listeners. We're finding out that people are listening, so that's pretty. Yeah, exciting. that is nice. <laughs> Thank you, listener, wherever you're at. We appreciate all for listening. Who turn to in, tune in. Wake Forest University Department of Podcasts, Department of Counseling Podcast, Department of Podcasts. You know what I meant. So guess who we've got today? We've got Dr. Cheyenne Carter. What? Right there she is. I'm excited to be in the studio today we with you guys. There she is. See, she's further legitimizing <laughs> mm-hmm. our reality boss. <laughs> Raises the bar. Raising yeah. the bar yeah. every day. Okay. Hey. But yeah, we've got Cheyenne. And so um, we get to call Cheyenne. Other people in the world can call her that. They can. Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, she's Dr. Cheyenne Carter, Department of Counseling, Wake Forest University. Yes. Um, I'll come back and give some more plug to the clinical mental health counseling program mm-hmm. and the school counseling program later. You know what, Shane? We're always plugging those. Absolutely. Two fantastic tracks. Lots of great options for our students. Friend. She's speaking our language, Bob. Hey, but we've got Shane. Shane, you are, right now, you're setting up for the annual department um, spring, what do you call it? Spring continuing ed spring event. S- it is. It's the seminar. spring seminar. 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 Absolutely. It's scheduled for this Friday, April 12th. Right. So people are totally not getting this podcast in time to hear that. No. They're not. (laughs) But what about next year? Because it's annual. That's right. This is an event that we have held. Um, I'm not actually really sure how long we have held this. I know it's been going as long Uh as I've been here, which is the end of my fifth year. Um, And every year we do a full day of continuing education. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a morning session and an afternoon session, usually two different topics. So people can Mm -hmm. choose to either attend um, one or both. It's an event that we offer free for our students and for our um, current clinical supervisors. And then um, there's a small fee for community members, um, alumni, and such. Mm-hmm. It's a great opportunity to bring um, relevant current research and um, information about you know, emerging modalities to the community. Um, and I think it really highlights the importance of lifelong learning, which is something that we try to encourage mm-hmm. our students to um, kind of incorporate as part of their professional identity. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I got. Don't you love her energy? Oh well, yeah, yes. I'm just looking Shining at Shane. Going, I love her energy because <laughs> she loves this. You know, anybody that knows her, they know she's just. She thinks about these things, networking yeah. and providing yeah. services and connecting people with services and thinking about what do students need and how can we bring in some of these great practitioners um, who can, you know, educate, bring you know these great topics. Mm-hmm. And um, so exactly. thank you for coordinating mm-hmm. all of this. Mm-hmm. And um, what were you, you were just, <laughs> she was just saying, Bob, when she came in, you know, I think I would rather than planning food for an event like this, <laughs> I think I would rather do a suicide assessment. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, actually funny because I, um, oh be, back before that I, was the food part, <laughs> that is true. I was trying to figure out how the count and how many, how many quiches do I order? Um, <laughs> it is interesting though, because before I came back to grad school, I actually did event planning. So, oh. um, Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, some of you guys may not know that, but I mean, I worked for a chamber of commerce and planned golf tournaments and things like that. And I loved it. I loved being part of the community. I loved the detail-oriented work. I loved having the finished product, um, which in counseling and teaching, really, you don't even have that as much. Um, 
but we do have some students who also have backgrounds in event planning and mm-hmm. many of them will say you know like this is just so not related and I actually think that there's a strong skill set that you can bring into the counseling field because um, many organizations offer trainings and so having event planning as a background can be really helpful with that yeah mm-hmm. uh, you know I'm always thinking about marketability too Bob so I'm sure. thinking there's somebody mm-hmm. listening to this right now going I'm an events planner or I yeah. love events mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. and they're thinking I could do both and, you know, we have some students that come in, particularly with our online program, that are coming in with the um, second career. Mm-hmm. And it's always interesting to see what kind of skill set they developed in their first career that they can bring into counseling. Mm-hmm. And it usually is yeah. always a good transition and fit at times. Yeah. So and and event need, planning is just perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. Plus, I think um, I love that about counseling. We've said that, mm-hmm. in, you know, often on in some other episodes, I believe, too, just the, that it is versatile. And, you know, so there are people listening right now thinking, I love that versatility. I can Mm -hmm. be a counselor and I can be a this. And um, just back to you, Cheyenne, uh, specifically here, I love that you are all about community, building community. And that really shines through you. So students, if you're here or coming to Wake Forest University Department of Counseling, you'll get to work with Dr. Cheyenne Carter. And um, she is a reason to come for sure to do your training with us, your master's counseling training. All right, so let's stop all the love to Cheyenne. It's very easy all to right. do. Oh, keep Share going. Love. I love it. It's not <laughs> extra props. <laughs> not your birthday, Cheyenne. Good grief. But I do, I do love her, and um, and we love her. Um, so okay, so we've got this one coming up, but let's kind of let's stretch out here a little bit, and let's talk about um, just the the purpose or the reality of continuing education and counseling is a thing mm-hmm. students need to know that when they're coming in they're going to they're going to do their master's training with us and then they're going to go out into the into the field they need to get used to doing continuing ed right talk to us a little bit about that Absolutely. So continuing education obviously is a wonderful um, opportunity to continue to build your own skill set, to develop specialties, to learn about new niches. Um, It's also a great way to meet new colleagues as you go to trainings, but it is part of our requirements for continuing um, our licensure as licensed professional counselors or whatever your state's licensure is. in school counseling, there's other opportunities. I don't believe that that's required for uh, maintaining your school counseling certification, but there's certainly opportunities to um, advance your skills in suicide assessments, in um, trauma-informed practices, things like that. So every state has a little bit of a different requirement for how many hours is is required per your licensure cycle, which is usually a two-year cycle. Most states have two years. Um, For instance, here in North Carolina, we have to have 40 hours of continuing education every two years. Back in Texas, I believe um, when I was licensed in Texas, it was 24 hours every two years. So it can actually be pretty different between states, um, but every state's going to have some mm-hmm. element of that. Mm-hmm. And those, what I think is so much fun about continuing education, especially once you're past, um, you know, when you're just continuing your hours after um, graduation and licensure, is it's really your opportunity to pursue whatever it is that interests you. Mm-hmm. And so that's the really fun part, I find, is... Um, whether you want to go to a conference, so something like the your state counseling conference, the American Counseling Association, where there's a variety of topics, you can go to a different topic every 50 minutes, or you may do some type of continuing education like training in a modality like um, EMDR, acceptance and commitment therapy that may be a, a two-day training. Um, I think the EMDR training that I did was actually six days, and so it's six full days where you're mm-hmm. just learning one modality. So you can go in-depth with topics, or you can really kind of take that um, – 
more like the, the jet boat and take a whole bunch of different sessions um, that are more like introductions to different mm-hmm. topics. Yeah, students, you know, Bob sometimes say, well, what am I learning? I'm only learning like generalist counseling, like just Carl Rogers, but there's got to be more. And of course, they are getting um, exposure to all of the major theories in mm-hmm. master's, in, I yes. think in most master's training programs kind of a generalist exposure to most of the major theories. But there is where you're going to get more typically your specialization. You're going to go on out. You're going to, you know, do the two-year, three-year degree, whatever it turns out to be. You go out into the field. You do your continuing ed, and you get all this great specialization. Mm-hmm. Um, how have y'all made decisions on which topics to pursue? Talk to listeners about that. Bob? You know, and I was thinking, as Cheyenne was talking, too, about um, some of the things that interested me as I've come along has been to focus more on uh, things that will certify me for specialty areas. And particularly, I work with uh, couples. Work and marriage and family seems to be a focus of my interest. And so to do some of the John Gottman training, which is more extensive, more expensive, more mm-hmm. <laughs> as you move along, and uh, the EFT, Emotionally Focused Therapy, Sue Johnson established that, and so that's been an area of interest. Um, at one t- time, I was thinking, I, I really need to do some more group work, because I was doing a lot of group work. And then I found Southeast Institute in Chapel Hill. It's the only place I knew in North Carolina that, that does oh, yeah. uh, postgraduate work around group. And so it's just kind of those interests that drew me to training programs that I, I sought out. And there's certainly conferences and uh, that we go to that would have specific topics and speakers that would uh, pique an interest that we have as well. So that's something that I found out. So that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of what I've been doing in my uh, stage of development. Yeah, I think about how, to me, it's kind of that following the breadcrumbs. You know, I think I had interest yeah. coming out of school, you know, those primary topics that you really want to learn more about, um, intimate partner violence, grief work, just the things that pop up in your practice often. But then mm-hmm. I just find for me that it's been more of what clients have brought into the room and where I found myself not knowing as much as I wish I'd known. Although I'm also at the point in my career where I realize, like, I'm really never going to know as much as I would like to know. Mm-hmm. And so I've come to accept my limitations of being mm-hmm. human. So unfair. Um, and so I know that I'm not ever going to know everything, obviously. Um, but a lot of times it's been like I just signed up for it's actually a webinar series around working with shame. Um, and that mm-hmm. actually came about from having um, a client that I was working with that, you know, shame comes up with a lot of clients. But this was a really specific, I mean, it was such a stuck point. And everything, all my experiences in working with shame, it just wasn't quite working with this client. And I thought, hmm, let me see what else I can go find. So it's that, you know, whether it's just you read a book and it gets you interested on something or you meet a client and it makes you want to read, you know, learn something else or you meet a colleague who knows something that you don't know. And I think it's like following those little breadcrumbs. Yeah. So it can just be kind mm-hmm. of the love of learning, you know, for the love, for the love of learning. Yeah. And it can be, and there's a blend mm-hmm. in both of what you're saying is when you mentioned expensive, mm-hmm. you've got to think, um, you know, find what makes most financial sense is can I recoup this money? Sure. So if I'm going to, oh, yeah, there's an right? investment that's, that, that yeah. Cause you bears, say, you know, right? some results, hopefully. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, because you, you might love it, but can you also incorporate it into your practice and, and sure. then hopefully then even market yourself? Because I'm thinking like around shame, if, say, Cheyenne is, has done this training or she did those six days of EMDR, well, if she, you know, on her website and her, you know, social media, she's saying of herself, hey, I've done this training. And, you know, if you are running across someone who has interest, you know, as a client, please send them my way. And mm-hmm. I know, Cheyenne, you do a lot of community and professional networking like that, too. So where you, if somebody said the very same 
uh, you know, someone else. And, and Cheyenne says, oh, yeah, I know somebody. I'm sending them to that person. And vice versa. That person says, oh, I know Cheyenne's doing this training. Let me send them to her. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the networking, the, you know, the connections that we make in the profession, the specialization that we do, that all – you know, hopefully does turn into dollars. Mm-hmm. Although it's not primarily about dollars, it still is about dollars too. Um, so, okay, so those are some thoughts you would have when choosing, um, you know, continuing ed. I'm thinking we're, we're kind of hitting on costs there. Let's go back to the department's um, seminar that's coming up this this Friday, and it does typically happen one Friday in April every year. Cheyenne, you mentioned that cl- our current clinical supervisors can participate for free. I'm for me. I'm thinking, hey, community folks, or wherever you are. I mean, we're online. We've got an online master's program. Mm-hmm. We've got a bricks and mortar traditional program. So either here in the area of Winston Salem or out across the country, it's a good opportunity for you know someone who's thinking, I want to supervise. I want to be a part of continuing my work in the field by supervising a student. And they find out, hey, Wake's got students. You know, in our area, the student has probably let's say has come for an interview, and then it's an opportunity. So rather than thinking, oh, I'm too busy, I can't take on this extra supervision duty, not that one day of six hours of continuing ed is going to, you know, cause you to mm-hmm. say yes, but it's something. It's some. It's a way of, you know, the department giving back to try to, you know, give you opportunities, and it's free. So, so yes, there's cost in some of the events, but in this instance, it's free. So you should supervise in the future, please, and thank you. Mm-hmm. And you should take part in these events because it's just, it's good. It's good learning. It's good um, community building. Um and it's free to boot. Mm-hmm. And check out some conferences, too, because uh, their websites uh, the, of the ones who sponsor the conference, because they'll have some some of the sessions or some of the keynote addresses recorded and available mm-hmm. for you to access. Uh, mm-hmm. Do we do that here? We are, yeah. So, so we have, we're kind of playing around with um, what's going to work best. And so last year we did offer a live stream version so people could actually Mm -hmm. attend live during the time and we had the recorded version since this is my first year to coordinate the event um i decided to simplify a little bit to kind of get my feet underneath me so we're just going to do the recorded version and so um it's actually interesting because i find that that has really grown in popularity and it makes sense when you think about all the different demands for professional counselors and um our school counselors that can't get away from an entire day um you know going to a training costs you money and depending on what type of work you're doing, let's say you're doing private practice, it also costs you money by not seeing clients that day. Um, so there's many people who are going to be looking for online options mm-hmm. that they can view at their leisure. I know there's several different trainings I've done that have been um, series of you know six, seven, eight webinars, and you can just do them at your leisure, which is really convenient. And you can obtain CEUs as well. That's and with some of those if you. That's right. Yeah. Sometimes they have a, they'll have a little quiz yeah. or assessment or something at the end. Yeah, some sort. See what you've learned. And I think it's about being strategic. I mean, I think it it's, is. It's you have to consider lots of different aspects. I mean, part of it you're, you are looking at what are your financial resources because mm-hmm. it's very true that some of these trainings can be pretty expensive. I was looking at one the other day. I would love to do, and it's about. $6,000, and that's not including the lodging and travel for it. Now, it's a, it's a multi-day. It's a, a very intensive, um, I think it's 80 CEUs. Um, you know, I will not be doing that one this year. Maybe even if, maybe if I win the lottery. But if I win the lottery, I may not even be a counselor anymore. I'll probably be in a beach somewhere selling snow cones. Um, so there's... You know, there's there's looking at, at your resources and what you're able to do. Now, some jobs will offer some type of um, funding. So that's something that some counselors work for organizations that will help support them in their continuing education and pay for some of those, um, which is really great. I always tell students to be curious about those benefits when you're looking at the job package. Um, 
but so you're you know you're looking at the cost, you're looking at what your availability is to get out and about. I mean, I think you're looking at what you actually want to learn versus maybe what's a good resource. And so I think you end up just having to be intentional um, mm-hmm. and having a nice combination. I know there's a training coming up here in a few weeks that I'm going to attend um, at another university that's five and a half hours of free CEs. And it's it's a topic I'm interested in, but it's also one that I'm just kind of looking forward to driving up to a pretty campus, spending the day with some new people and Mm -hmm. getting some free CEUs. So yeah, I think you just have to be intentional with how you structure getting all of those hours. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, you won't always have time or energy, but um, when you think about when you reframe or, you know, make change kind of the the viewpoint there, there are all, all sorts of positives. Mm-hmm. It's how we think about it, Bob. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think students should consider, too, you know, um, and this can be beginning professionals of, of, you know, attending these continuing education opportunities where their conferences or trainings. Many times there's opportunities to volunteer. I know mm-hmm. we've had a, mm-hmm. a good history of our students going to some of the state national conferences and volunteering. Um, they're able to oftentimes get a, a discounted rate. Sometimes you can even find trainings in your community that if you volunteer to help them with the logistics, you may actually be able to attend for free. Um, And so I think that there's lots of strategic ways to do this. Um, You just have to get out there and Mm -hmm. and make the connections. And also participate in the conferences. Some Mm -hmm. of our students will provide poster presentations from our online and on-campus programs. Sometimes they'll work with faculty members in doing a joint presentation at times. And so there's great opportunities to grow professionally in that way. Mm -hmm. So that's been nice. Let's segue there just for a few minutes because I I think a lot of our alum are presenters regularly in state regional conferences national mm-hmm. occasionally as well but um what because uh, that's a stretch because you were kind of going from all right I'm someone who's going to need continuing ed to maintain my license and I want to be a lifelong learner plus I have to be um you know to kind of keep my skills up um maybe even specialize so we're going to go from that we're going to make the jump to I want to be a presenter let's talk about that for a few minutes how what makes a good presentation? Why do you want to you know? I know beyond the topic, because, you know, all of us have gone to a conference and thought, oh, I'm, I'm pumped up. I want to go. And then maybe the quality of the presentation just isn't there for any number of reasons. Um, how, what, what will we say to, to, I guess, our students in particular, or just general listener right now? What, what makes a good presenter for y'all? What do you think? What, what would be good um, for our listeners to take away to either for them to be a good presenter or maybe affirmation that they are a good presenter now. Not that we're like the judge and jury on this thing, but it's just something <laughs> okay. to talk about. Well, I think about being the facilitator of learning. And so a lot of my students will will talk about wanting to be presenters. Um, I actually didn't want to be a faculty member at the very beginning of my program. I just wanted to have a PhD to present speaking. Um, so that's ironic. You know, life oftentimes does not go the direction you think it's going to do. And I ended up falling in love with teaching. Um, and so a lot of students make this assumption that they can't present until they're an expert on something. And what I find is I, I do present on topics that I'm um, that are kind of my, my own area of expertise. I don't, I'm the ultimate expert. I'm certainly not. Um, but I also in the past have chosen topics that I actually want to learn more about. And so because to present about something, you have to go learn about it. Yeah. Um, and so, and again, I think if you take the stance that you're bringing a certain body of knowledge to the group, but also trying to create this learning experience. You know, some of my presentations are experiential, that I do small group breakouts. Um, and so what I have found, even in having students present with me, is that they build their confidence realizing that they don't have to 
have all this content that they're just feeding to the audience that sometimes they're also bringing out experiences to explore things. And so you don't have to wait to be the ultimate expert. Um, Your first presentation doesn't have to be a keynote address, right? (laughs) I mean, I think that you can do, I mean, that'd be great if it was. (laughs) And so um, exploring, yeah, like what what you do think you know and and what you think you can help your participants participants explore together, I think can lead to a really great presentation. How do you engage those Mm -hmm. audience members? Mm -hmm. I was thinking, Bob, you mentioned posters Mm -hmm. as an an entry point, doing poster presentations, co-presenting. Shane, you Mm -hmm. might have mentioned that, but um, with a faculty member, if you're a student or thereafter, if you're with colleagues and you want to co-present or small group, two, three, four Mm -hmm. people presenting, that's a good way too to um, make sure there's a shared energy and shared content, not only the work involved of producing or organizing the content, but even the delivery. And that adds interest for me sometimes as, an, as a listener or participant in a continuing ed event um, or in a presentation is that there's a good energy. There might be multiple people, you know, kind of mm-hmm. sharing the, the uh, presentation load. It's another kind of mm-hmm. good way for the well, yes. listeners yeah. thinking, I could never do that. Yeah, you could. You could start to, you know, build opportunities. Um, you know, I think, Shane, you're giving a nice encouragement there as well. You don't have to be perfect, um, number one. And number two, uh, it, it's a growing, there's a growing curve on that. You're going to con- continue growing as long as you're doing mm-hmm. it. Um, but that also, you know, the audience engagement is important. I've seen, yeah. Bob, sometimes, you know, sometimes there's too much audience engagement and not enough content. I think, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of, I think we've all experienced where we've got to have that right balance. Um, but I think the audience engagement, I've, some of the lesser presentations I've been in on didn't have enough audience engagement. And mm-hmm. I think, Shane, that's what you, where I feel like I'm going there with you. Mm-hmm. Give me some of that good participation. Yeah. But yeah. not like the awkward kind. You know, too, you're sometimes mm-hmm. in, a, in a setting like, oh, no. Group, pres- group participation. I know. Turn and talk to your neighbor. I'm going, oh, no, I just no. want to listen. I have to get touchy-feely here and share myself. And thoughts, it, oh, no. And then it turns out, you know, in fine. my experience, yeah. right, pretty cool. It's fine, yeah. yeah. So I always realize it's part of it. I was also thinking, too, that, you know, how um, – doing presentations in the community after you graduate and you start uh, your professional life, too, is a good way to get connected to the community, to get known, uh, to identify yourself and some specialties or interests that mm-hmm. you that you have. And, and so hopefully some referrals, and that'll be a way to build your caseload. Good. Well, and that's also nice to be able to differentiate who you're presenting to. I mean, obviously, developing yeah. a certain level of expertise to present to a room full of counselors is really different mm-hmm. than developing a certain amount of expertise to present to a parent-teacher organization meeting. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of um, beginning school, you know, well, I think community counselors, school counselors. I mean, I think the schools can be a great place to offer, um, you know, I'll come do a 20-minute presentation to your PTO, PTA, whatever the term is in your state, um, about bullying or about um, cyber safety or things like mm-hmm. that. I think it's, from a business standpoint, it's a great way to build a reputation in mm-hmm. your community for your practice or your agency. But it's also a great place to recognize that you do know something. I think mm-hmm. in our field, especially so many graduate students are just, there's such um, strivers. <laughs> and, and they really want to know more and more and more. And many times we can underestimate what we already know. And so mm-hmm. um, taking some of these things things that I think we think are just basic things that everybody knows is actually, it's not accurate. Actually, there's a lot of things that we know that no one knows um, mm. or not many people know. And so um, looking for opportunities in the community, um, you know, partnering with um, potentially churches, synagogues, and places of worship, uh, community groups. I know I did a presentation once for, um, I don't remember what it was called. It was, um, it, it was an organization of retired military. And I talked about um, 
service animals, animal-assisted therapy with the military. And it was such a fun night. It was a bunch of retired um, military professionals, and they all wanted to tell their stories. And we had a great time together. So, again, it, I wasn't even pre- presenting, like, this, like, depth of content. It was just having conversations and bringing some information to them. So, again, I think that we just – it's important to not underestimate what you know and what the public um, could benefit from. Hmm. This feels doable for all people. Not that all people have to do. I mean, as a counselor, you do have to do continuing ed, you know, one form or another, be it webinars or live presentations or, you know, there are certain formats where you can read and then do some, Mm -hmm. you know, um, questions on the backside of that. So, I mean, there are multiple formats, but but it's definitely not optional. As as a licensed counselor, you are going to continue with um, your education in these uh, structured ways through continuing ed. But then also on the presenting end, there's lots of possibilities. Don't rule it out. It's kind of what I'm hearing you say, Shane. Don't rule it out. You know some things. Why not share it? Absolutely. And if you don't mm-hmm. like the idea of presenting, I mean, you can work on that edge if you want to, or you could mm-hmm. develop the webinars yourself and mm-hmm. and just do more content presentation to um, people that choose to kind of tune in. Um, so if you're a massive introvert and it scares you, yeah. again, there's still opportunities. Maybe even like mm-hmm. around coordinating. Now, you're clearly mm-hmm. not an introvert, but there you are coordinating um, uh, this seminar for the Department of Counseling. Mm-hmm. So right, you're just looking for opportunities. And we don't all always feel like chasing down an opportunity. But, you know, um, the, the if you're that low on, you know, energy, you might want to do some self-care around that. But, but you know, there are opportunities. <laughs> there are definitely opportunities to get involved. And certainly at the, the least level, it's just participating as a learner and then on up from there. Um, that you can be helpful in coordinating opportunities, you know, building community in your um, in your community. Can I say that, Bob? Building you community can. in you your can. community. <laughs> you can't um, say that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and sense, um, yeah. all the way up to, you know, really presenting yourself. And so... Mm-hmm. Lots of opportunities. I hope that's what listeners are hearing, um, either current students, future students, alum, friends of the Department of Counseling at Wake Forest University. I hope they're here and there's opportunity. Get excited about it. We're excited about this seminar this Friday or whenever you're listening, whenever that next mm-hmm. one is, we're excited about it. Absolutely. And if people who are listening are interested, again, this is going to be archived. And so awesome. um, you can reach out to me mm-hmm. at carterc at wfu.edu. And I can connect people. Um, again, it's free for students and for our supervisors. Um, the fee right now, if you're interested in doing the recorded version, is $60 for one session or $100 for both sessions, which really nice. financially is pretty good for um, the going rates. And so um, again, reach out to me. Um, I'm happy to connect you with that option. It's pretty cool because I think we've all been in that spot where it's coming up on renewal time yes. and we're running low on hours. <laughs> we're like, who are we going to call? That's Wait right. Who are we going to call? That's right. we got six hours sitting right here for you. Carter C. at wfu.edu. That's who I'm going to call. <laughs> all right. Well, listen, right. Cheyenne, thank you so much. We appreciate, yeah, we appreciate you. Thanks. Always just, appreciate it. Yeah. Love Very good. You. All right, all Bob. Right. It was fun. It was. And you know what? We did. You know what? We, we did, did it again. again.